following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, open up your Bibles uh, to the book of Ephesians. If this is your first week at Community Gospel, we just want to say welcome. This is kind of how we roll here at the church. Um, we're a big family, and, and we love to extend that greeting to others, too, as well. Um, man, it's, it's cool to just kind of see all the things that God is doing and the fact that church can be fun, but also engaging and convicting at the same time. And uh, it's, it's just awesome to be here, and I hope that you feel that too as well. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. We're going to be looking at verse 22 through 24. We've been going through the book of Ephesians for some time now, and uh, it's been good. Amen? It's been real good. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians is a, uh, is a letter, essentially, from the guy. His name is Paul. His previous name was Saul. Saul was somebody who persecuted the Christians, and as he persecuted Christians, he has an experience where he is walking on a road and Jesus meets him and he is struck blind and he realizes the great I am really does exist. He realizes great is thy faithfulness because Paul experiences new mercies morning by morning. He is just like we are. Amen. I'll tell you what, God is on the move. Um, as I was looking at this uh, sermon and uh, studying for it, I came across a small story that I thought was interesting and also engaging at the same time. A husband and wife who had been married for 60 years found themselves uh, sitting next to each other. The wife was laying in her hospital bed and the husband is sitting next to his wife and he realizes that the time has come where God is going to call her home. He looks to his wife, he loves her, and he says, honey, I need to ask you just a simple question, and I need to ask you if there's anything that you need to tell me before you go meet Jesus. And she says, darling, I just want to tell you that I love you, but there is one thing that I need to communicate to you, to tell you about. She said, after I go, um, you can go to our house, and you will go in our bedroom, and you will go into uh, our closet. And in our closet, you're going to see a shoebox. It's going to look kind of like the other shoeboxes. I know I have 50 or 60 of them, but you're going to see a lot of them. And this one is a little bit bigger than the other shoeboxes. And he says, okay. He, she says, you pull that shoebox down, and you're going to see two things. You're going to see $100,000 in that shoebox, and you're also going to see a little crocheted doll. He says, okay. He says, hun... $100,000 is a significant amount of money, but I'm more interested about the crochet doll. He says, why a crochet doll? She says, darling, let me tell you something. When we were married over 60 years ago, your mom came to me and she said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah. And she sat me down and we talked and we talked and we talked. And she said, listen, your husband, my son, he is a great man. And you're going to love him, but he is going to try and lead the family. He's going to try to do it well. And he is going to sometimes nail it and sometimes he's going to fall flat. And there's going to be times in your marriage where you're going to want to talk back to him. When you guys are having a conversation, an argument, something comes up, you're going to want to speak to him and you're going to want to share your opinion. 
But let me tell you something. If you would do something, this would be so critical and crucial for your marriage. You, after that argument, you listen to him, you nod your head, you go pray for your husband. You sit in a rocking chair and you just pray for him by crocheting a little doll. He looks over at his wife. He says, honey, you mean to tell me in the 60 years that we have been married, there's only been one time when you've wanted to say something to me. You mean to tell me in 60 years of marriage, there's only been one time when you have found it necessary to go over and to pray for me because of an argument that we had. She said, no, 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 hon. This is why it's so important for me to get off my chest. She said, you know that $100,000 that's in that shoebox? He said, yeah. He said, that's the money that I made off of those dolls. Marriage is tough, right? And it can be hard. Raising kids can be hard, and so can in the workplace. I'll tell you what, when I read the passage in Ephesians chapter 5, and I look at what that says, it cuts right to my core because it speaks to me as a husband, it speaks to me as a father, it speaks to me as an employee, and it speaks to me as a leader. And Paul's words on that page are so critical and crucial for not only me, but they're for you too as well. He wants the Ephesian church to live in such a way that would be different, where an outside world who is lost will come to know Jesus Christ, and the church that already knows him will be built up. And he says, I want you to live so countercultural to what you see in society. The same is true today for us. The same is true for you and I who call ourselves Christians. And let me clarify what a Christian is, because our community gets it a little bit confused. A Christian is somebody who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, knows they're a sinner, believes in their heart that Jesus is the Savior. He really came, he really died, he really rose again, and he's really ruling and reigning to this day. That is the hope which we profess as a church. That is the faith that we have placed. It's not by works, anything that we can do, because if we did be able to do something which is bad grammar, we would boast about it. If we had good works and we could get to God through good works, we would be boasting about it all day long. Look at what I did to get to Jesus. But he didn't make that path through works. He made it through faith. So the sinner like me and you could come to a relationship with God through his son Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit who comes as a counselor and a guide to convict and teach. Because as God says, my ways are not like your ways. My truth is not like your truth. And in me you have hope and you have peace. Do not live like the world lives. Live like I live. Son Jesus, who came, walked, talked, died among you, and rose again. Let's pray real quick. Father God, um, as Paul very clearly says in the text here this morning, um, there are commands for us who are married. There are commands for us who are children, which all of us are. There are commands for us as employees and employers. In that passage in Ephesians, it can get kind of tough. And get a little bit sticky, and uh, there's tendencies for us to wander away from those and to do our own thing, because that's what we see emulated in the world. And God, would you speak through me today in a way that people would understand and also that people would apply so that they could see that your truth is greater than the world's truth, and in fact, that the world's truth is not truth, it's a lie. And that would you show them that your ways, especially in regards to marriage, are so critical and crucial because we desire desperately for people who are lost to come to know you and people like us who are already found to be built up, that we would know that it is worth it. 
God, I love you. I love your word. Thank you for the standard of truth which we have as a foundation. Work in us and through us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, when his body as himself is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Whoo! It's going to be a good service today, right? Okay, first and foremost... Some of you check out when you hear that passage of scripture because you think to yourself, either A, I'm single, so it doesn't apply to me, that's not true. You think either I have been married and that's not anymore, either you've been divorced or um, you've gotten to a point where your spouse has died and it's not for you anymore, that's not true, okay? All of this applies to us on some level. So what Paul says is he says, I want you to punch in because there's applications for everybody in here. Okay, whether you're looking to get married, are married, or have been married, okay? And there's six essential questions in regards to a biblical Bible study that we ask on every passage, and it makes sense that those would be the six points, which are the who, what, where, how, why, and when. Paul answers all those questions in regards to what it means to be married, and then he continues on it later. So, like I said before last week, I'm going to talk on what it means for wives to be submissive, then I'm leaving the country, I'm just going to let you rest in that, (laughs) and then hopefully when I come back, you'll have me as your pastor again, okay? So, first one, he says wives, okay? Who is he talking to? He's talking to wives, it is easy for us to qualify this word and remove ourselves from what is being said. But Paul says, wives, every Christian woman, if you are a woman here and you have said, I believe Jesus is my savior, I have entered into a relationship with him, I want a relationship with Jesus because I'm a sinner, accepted his son and received the Holy Spirit, he's talking to you who are in a covenant of marriage with one man, okay? Marriage is, ready for this, one woman, one man. That's what God's word says, not what society says. And I don't care what society says, they're wrong. So he says wives, okay, first and foremost, Christian women who are in a marital covenant. Now, like I said, this doesn't qualify. This doesn't mean you get to remove yourself from this based off your social standing, based off of your education, and some of you say, well, I'm not real educated as a, as a wife, or I'm very educated. Paul would still talk to you. He wouldn't say that you get to disqualify yourself based on how smart you are, your spiritual maturity, your giftedness, your age. doesn't matter if you've been married for six months, six years, or 60 years. Paul says this is a message for you. It doesn't matter your experience. It doesn't matter the thing that holds true is wives. Christian women. Now, you also disqualify this based off of your husband, because you would look at it and you say, Paul, I don't think you know my husband, and all of you are in here thinking that right now as well, okay? Maybe he's not talking to me, because maybe my husband isn't really smart. He's not real intelligent, so since he's not real intelligent, I don't have to essentially look at what this passage says. And maybe your husband's character, his attitude, his spiritual condition, It's easy for those of you who are gathered here today as Christian women to look at your husband who might not be a believer and disqualify this passage. That's not true. Paul says, even as believing women, wives, 
you, by acting this way, have the opportunity to win your husband to the Lord. There's a salvation opportunity for you in your marriage as a Christian woman. It doesn't matter. He says all wives, which is all Christian wives, those who have confessed and believed Jesus as Savior. Who? Wives. What? Submit. Oh, that dirty, nasty word, which is beautiful in the Bible, but beaten down in society. Submit goes back to what we talked about last week. Submit is a voluntary response based off God's will. Whether you knew it or not, when you walk down the aisle, and some of you got married here and some of you got married in another location, it doesn't matter if it was in a church or a sandy beach. You walk down that aisle, you came up, and you took your spouse's hands, not spouse at the time, and you said, I promise to love you in sickness and health, in uh, good times and bad times, till death do us part. Okay? You vowed to your spouse on that day. Now, What society fails to realize is that marriage is a Christian institution. That's why it's so funny to me that the homosexual agenda is to run to something that is a Christian institution. I don't understand that. Why does the secular world want to run to the Christian institution and the Christian institution is bent on leaving it? Doesn't make any sense to me. You came into a relationship where you were in a covenant with one another, and Paul says you submitted to that person the day you gave your vows. You voluntarily responded to God's will by giving up independent rights to somebody else. You said, I give up my right to you. Bible says the two shall become, anyone? One. And so in submission, we realize what we talked about last week comes true. We're in a relationship with God. We're submissive to him first. That's my first priority. I'm in a relationship with his church. I use my spiritual gifts so that I can edify the body, build up my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm in a relationship with Christ through my workplace where I evangelize. And then Paul takes out the magnifying glass and he puts it right over the lens and he says, let's talk about the family, namely husbands and wives. Wives voluntarily responded to God's will, giving up independent rights to another in a general and ordained authority. Who? Wives. What? Submit. Now let's put this on the shelf for a second. Wives, you breathe a little bit and let me talk to husbands for a second. Because the passage says where? Where do we submit to? Submit to your husband's. Okay, husbands leading means we have the opportunity, not the obligation, to care for our spouse, ready for this, in intimacy and support. The two shall become one is a physical reference as well as an emotional reference and a spiritual reference. The two shall become one. And so my job as a husband is to care for my wife, to see her, ready for this, husbands, as an extension of myself. And so, I voluntarily look at my wife as an extension of myself to intimately love her and support her. It is not to treat her as I would a servant, and it is not to treat her as I would like a child. 
So if you husbands treat your wives like servants or like children, you're off pace. Your job as a Christian husband is not to lord over your wife. You know the old adage where they say, uh, there's so many jokes if you Google it, which don't, about women making sandwiches. I don't understand that. I don't want a sandwich, right? That is not our job as husbands for wives to be in the kitchen making you sandwiches. That's not what it means. That's not what Paul says. Submitting is not going and making sandwiches. Submitting is seeing my wife as an extension of myself and realizing my two hands and my two feet work and I can make a sandwich by myself. Okay? So I support her and I love her. There's a lot of uh, slapping of husbands going on in the church today, all right? (laughs) Because why? Husbands, here's what it means to lead well. You ready for this? It means... That I care for her, I provide for her, and I protect her. When you come into a relationship with Christ, what does he call you? Do you know? He calls you a co-heir. He calls you a co-heir. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in me and in you. The same promise that's given to Jesus is the same promise that is given to me in regards to the fact that I will have life now and life in eternity. The same holds true for me about what holds true for Christ because I am his child. He sees me as an extension of himself. Jesus doesn't come down, you're like, I'm going to witness to this person, right? I'm going to share my faith. And in the process of sharing my faith, I don't go up to somebody and say, okay, Jesus, hi, my name's Jordan. Okay, you do the rest. He says, no, 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 no. You can do it yourself. Because the same power that lives in me is the same power that lives in you. Your job as a husband is to care, to provide, and to protect. And so Paul says, husbands, you exercise this in love. You do not lord over your wife according to your own personal impulses and desires. Now, some of you are asking the question, well, when do I not follow my husband? Is there ever a time where I don't follow my husband? Absolutely. The time in which you are called not to follow your husband is when he runs contradictory to this word. Wives, if your husband, as a Christian woman, if your husband is calling you to do something contradictory to this text, you say, no. Why? Because first and foremost, I am in submission to my God. I must follow him. So we can't run contradictory to his word. Women, you have a sinful inclination. And that sinful inclination is to reject your husband's authority. Men, we have a sinful inclination. Our sinful inclination is to put our wives at our feet and pretend that they are servants and slaves. And that's not true. We have to meet in the middle. Why? Because my job as a husband and my job's My wife's job as a wife is to complete each other, not to compete with each other. And so husbands, you might be failing to lead because you are competing with your wife, not working on completing her. Wives, you may be in a fight with your husband because you are fighting to compete with him instead of complete him. Let me give you a great illustration. In my family, guess who does the bills? Not me. Okay? My wife does the bills. You want to know why? Because she knows math like the back of her hand. She's good at it. 
She just understands it. As a matter of fact, if you put a controller in my wife's hands, and after five minutes you look at her and say, how many buttons are on that remote controller? She'll tell you. We go upstairs. I ask her all the time. I said, Bethany, how many stairs did we just walk up? She's like, Jordan, come on. Fourteen. Okay, she thinks mathematically. Now, as a, as a husband, I could lord over her and say, I'm going to do the bills. It's my bills. It's my bills. I'm doing the bills, right? And I could do that. And we did that for a year, and it was horrible. We were broke, and we were eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches, and I was making them. Okay? <laughs> you laugh. It's true. When I relinquish control. Husband, you tracking with me on what I just said? When you relinquish control to your spouse and see her as an extension of yourself because she's there to complete you, not to compete with you, and you equip her for ministry, good things happen. We go on vacation because of my spouse. Because if we didn't, it, it, if I did the bills, we wouldn't go on vacation, right? We went to Potato Creek just this past weekend. She says, hey, Potato Creek, um, the season passes at the library, and we can rent out the season pass from the library, and we can take it to Potato Creek, and we can give it to them, and it will save us $7. And in the back of my mind, I got $7. It's like, what's the big deal? Yeah, but it will save us. As a husband, I don't lord over her and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Just pay the people $7. No, you say, wow, that's awesome. You're thinking ahead. Good for you. Thank you for doing that for our family. And we were walking on the trail. I said, Bethany, this is because of you. Look at the great job that you did, that you got us here. Love, care, protect, nourish, provide. That's our job as husbands. See your spouse as an extension of yourself. Wives, same thing. You've got to see your husbands as an extension of yourself. And it's your job, your opportunity to uplift him. Now, we pause for a second in the text because let me ask you a really good question. And those of you who are dating, this is going to be huge for you too as well. Does your wife... Does your husband treat you the same way that Jesus treats you? Does your husband treat you like Jesus treats you? And vice versa. Wives, do you treat your husband the way that Christ treats you? So, husbands, if your wife makes a mistake... Do you look at her and do you punish her for the mistake that she has made? Or do you give her mercy and grace? Wives, when your husband fails to lead like he should, do you punish him by harboring bitterness against him? Or do you build him up and allow him to realize that he can, he can fight again? The best thing that a wife can do is make it easy for her husband to follow the will of God. And the way we do that is we treat each other like Christ. Because we're not called to compete with each other. We're called to complete each other. Why? Because it says, wives, what submit, where to your husbands, how, as to the, anyone? To the Lord. All things that we do are to be done for the glory of God. And so what Paul says here in the text is, he says, everything we do is in obedience to the Lord, first of all, in order for his glory and to please him. So wives, do you make it easy for your husband to lead your family? Husbands, do you make it easy for your wives 
to love the Lord. Like here's, let me give you a great illustration. My wife is very disciplined in her approach to Jesus Christ. She, she does her devotions almost every single day. And when she does her devotions, she sits on the couch and she's got her little stack of books and she's got her cup of tea because you need a cup of tea in order to do work with Jesus. For me, it's coffee. For her, it's tea. That's cool. Whatever your prerogative is. And the other day, I'm sitting on the couch and I realize she's coming in to do devotions. And I look at her and I said, do you want to sit here? She's like, nope. You sure you don't want to sit here? Yep, I can sit over here. I said, okay, I'm going to move so you can sit here, <laughs> right? I don't want her to be uncomfortable in the time that she spends with God. That's, that's leadership. I want to equip her to be able to have time with God and make sure that it's worth it, right? It goes in reverse, too. So when Bethany looks at me, she says, how can I make it easy for you, Jordan, to worship the Lord? How can I do that? Think of tangibles in your life. Husbands, how can you make it easy for your wives to do the will of the Lord? And wives, how can you make it easy for your husband to love Jesus? You don't look at your husband and say, you haven't read your Bible in a week. That's not how it looks to be a submissive wife. You show up at the dinner table with your Bible and you say, hey, we're going to read God's word today. What do you think about that? You show up in the the, with the kids as they're going to bed and you say, we're going to do a story tonight and we're going to pray together because I want to make it easy for our family to have a path to the Heavenly Father. So he says, do everything in obedience to the Lord first for all of his glory and to please him. So here's my question, Paul. Why? Why do I do these things? Who wives what submit where to your husbands how as to the Lord why? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his savior. There is more going on on the surface than what we see. In other words, God uses symbolism all the time. Did you know that? He loves it. He thinks it's awesome. I'll give you two just that happened in the church with communion. Jesus says, this is my body that was broken for you. It's symbolized in bread. This is my blood that was shed for you. It's symbolized in grape juice. Welch's if you're a Baptist. And he says, I want you to participate in this so you would do this in remembrance of me. He says, I want you to tithe. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it says sacrificial giving. You set aside in your heart what you choose to give. And so when the plate goes around, you've set aside in your heart. And God says, I'm going to use your money, okay, as as a symbolic action to see where your heart is at. Is your hands like this or are they like this? All money's from God, so I'm going to give to him because it's a symbolic transaction that shows or symbolizes the status of my heart. Baptism. A symbolic representation of what it means to come to know Jesus Christ. You go down in the water, here's my old life. That's why we immerse people in water. Because I'm 100% dead without Christ. But then Jesus, who saves me from my sin, grabs me and pulls me up out of the water. And as I'm coming out of the water, I experience new life, new breath in a relationship with him. And everybody sees the symbolism that happens and takes place. 
Marriage is a symbolism of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We miss it. People are wondering if you're operating in the way in which Christ loved the church. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and be like, man, I don't know what's going on with your marriage, but it's so good. What is the foundation for your marriage? And you look back and be like, listen, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we would be divorced like seven years ago. If it wasn't for the grace of God, how I understood that God has things in line and in order for me to follow, we would have been dead. Talk to somebody who's been married for like 50 years who loves Jesus. They'll look back at you and they'll say, it's all because the grace of God that we are still wed. So Paul says there's symbolism. The outside world is watching your marriage and they're wondering, how are you leading husbands and how are you following spouses and are you an extension of each other? Do you seek to complete one another or are you competing with one another? I could tell you in two seconds, somebody who comes and sits down with me and talks about their marriage, if they're competing with another or they're completing one another, right? Watch it when they sit on the couch. I watch it when you guys sit down at church. You think you have everybody fooled because you walked in the door and you got a little, you know, done up before you got in the door, but you were having a crazy fight in the car before you got here. That's my family, not yours. It's <laughs> and you polished yourself up. Now, here's what happens. You plop down in a pew, right? And all of a sudden, she's over here and you're here. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? We're good. Jerry Seinfeld says it this way. He says, you can always gauge and tell how a relationship is going by where somebody touches their face. How are you and Paula doing? Yeah, actually, we're pretty good. Some things to work on. How are you and Paula doing? Good. <laughs> Got some stuff going on. You know, how are you and Paula doing? <laughs> okay. So if I ask you how you're doing, you guys are going to be like, we're good. <laughs> a symbolic representation. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So wives, you love your husband the way that Christ should love the church. And wives, you, or husbands, you love your wives the way that Christ sacrificed himself for the church so that she would be built up, so she would be encouraged, so she would be empowered to move. Why? For his body, Jesus Christ, he's our savior. And when should I do this? Some of us are looking at it. We're like, man, I feel like I'm off. Like, we've never done this. When do I start this? Like, can we start this in eternity? You're not married for an eternity. I'll get to that later. That's another sermon for another day. When? When do I do this? Look at verse 24. Now. You circle that a thousand times in your Bible. Now, now you do this. Now you do this. Husbands, it is not too late to love your wife the way that Christ loves the church. You do it now. Wives, when is it the right time for you to support your husbands the way that Jesus did? Now. You do it now. You don't wait. It is never too late to do the right thing. Amen? It's never too late. I look at my kids sometimes, and they say, Daddy, I already messed up. No, we don't stay in that dysfunction. We turn it around, and we try again. Because that's what your life is all about. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
to reject pride, to welcome humility in the fear and adoration of God, verse 21. Wives submit to their husbands because they love him and they want to see him do the will of God. And husbands, you lead your wife well because you're rejecting your pride and because you're seeing the fear of Christ and because you have the opportunity, not the obligation, to lead her well in humbleness, in tenderness, with care and protection. I'm Papa Bear when it comes to my family. You want a piece of my, I'll stand in front of my wife all day. That's how it's supposed to work. And men, let me tell you something. It's attractive. Some wives are starting to shake their head. It's attractive. They're like, there's nothing sexier than when my husband leads our family well. Absolutely. And it should be. Paul says, just as Christ should, submits to everything in their husbands, a role model for us husbands is Jesus Christ. Now, are you more concerned as you do these things with your happiness or with your holiness? Husbands, some of you are still pulling back here because you're scared. And that's natural. That's normal. But if you want your marriage to represent Jesus Christ, you'll pursue this because you're concerned about holiness and it'll be hard for a little bit, but it will change. Wives, some of you pull back in this because you think to yourself, I don't know if that's going to work and I don't know if he can lead. And To be holy means to be happy, to experience love, peace, and joy. Henry Ford, probably not a good role model. I was reading, I found this about his life and I realized he's not really a great guy. Like, and honestly, he lived a really horrible life. He got two things right though. First thing they said, Henry Ford, what is the greatest day of your life? And I don't know if she was sitting behind him or not, but he said, the day that I married Mrs. Ford. Good for him, right? That's points. Husbands, do you say that? It's the greatest day of my life was when I married my spouse. That was the greatest day of my life when Bethany finally was convinced to be my wife. I watched her walk down the aisle, and I cried because I knew what she was going to experience for years and years and years <laughs> and years. The greatest day of my life was when I married my wife. Husbands, do you say that? Wives, do you say that about your spouse? It's the greatest day of my life. But then he went on to say, because he had been married for 50 years. <clears throat> and they said, Henry, you've been married for 50 years plus. What's the secret to your marriage? He says, it's like the car business, which she probably smacked him on top of the head for that one. But he said, it's best to stick to one model. Now, he was talking about her, and he didn't know the Lord. If you were to ask Paul, what is the secret to be married for so long, falling in love with your spouse every single day, it would be to stick to one model. Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, you are holy and pure and you love your church. Your bride is what you call us. You love us so much you laid down your life for us by dying on a cross. You loved us so much that you emptied yourself. 
You showed us care and protection and love and mercy and grace in abundance. And you did it with excellence. And those of us in, in a marriage right now, speaking specifically to husbands, we need to emulate your son Jesus by loving our wife the same way, by laying down our agendas, by laying down our desires, by laying down our wills, and to do what is best for them, to love them, to care for them, and to protect them, because the definition, God, you say of love is to seek the other person's best. And would you help us as husbands to seek our wife's best? And God, if there's husbands who are here today who don't know you and have never submitted to you in a relationship with you, would you press upon their heart this truth that they can be free from the slavery of sin and be righteous in a relationship with you, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you alone are Lord. And God, the prayer for the wife this morning is that she would see her husband the way the church sees Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior. The one who longs to protect and to care for and to love and to cherish with tenderness. Help the wives who are here to see the good in their husband. And by good, I mean the traits and qualities that are like you. And for wives who are in a marriage where their husband doesn't know you, we pray for radical revival in that relationship. We pray that they would turn from their sinful ways and they would pursue a relationship with you and that their wife would love them and lead them to that opportunity. And for those who are in a marriage relationship, we, and they're both believers, that the wife would make it easy for the husband to do the will of God. That she would pave a good road and do it with excellence and respond appropriately the way that the church should respond to you with exaltation and adoration and being excited. God, we long to be with you again. By that, God, we know you're with us internally through salvation, but you say in the Bible that you're going to come and call us home. And we'll be at that great marriage feast together with one another. What a beautiful picture it is. Would you make the marriages, especially the ones represented here, that way? That they would be united with one another, completing one another, not competing with each other. Seeking the other person's best, just as you did for us. We love you, God. Impress this truth on our heart. Help us to take it home with us, to talk about it, to discuss it, and to implement it accordingly. It's in your name that we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.